Biggie, the Mets took their talents down to South Beach and beat a team that is fighting for a playoff spot. These New York Mets are playing spoilers. <laughs> Touche, uh, Pussycat. Listen, this is a team that has always been a thorn in the Mets' side and taking derailing their playoff hopes back in my day, even 2008 especially. So good to see us exact some revenge. You look at some of the baby Mets having a good September. You look at Ronnie Mauricio continuing to shine. And also on the pitching side, Jose Budo has looked like he's, you know, a chance to fight for a spot in next year's team. I did tell you it was going down. It's Ronnie Timber in my hit single, and it indeed is. And Mark Vientos, I don't have a song for him, but Mark Vientos tearing the cover off the ball. And a guy who's tearing the cover off the microphone is Keith Ratt in his rookie season. You want to talk about Baby Mets? Can't forget the Baby Mets broadcaster, WCBS, voice of the Mets, alongside Howie Rose. It's our friend Keith Ratt will join us. It's all coming up next on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Go. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. I'm Jake Brown, joined by, I think he's my co-host, it's been ages. Oh my goodness. Figueroa, welcome back, Figgy, to the program. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio at Figgy NY at Amazing But True. Joining us in a few minutes will be the rookie, the radio voice of the Mets on WCBS. I love saying W like they taught us at WRHU. It would be Keith Rad. He will join us in a few minutes, and I'm, I'm looking forward, Figgy, to chatting with Keith about. His first year on the job, you know, going from the from the minors to the big leagues, like what food was good, what stadium sucked, what food was bad. <laughs> How's that always the first thing you want to know about the food? It's always the first thing, always on my mind. What song is that? <laughs> um, it's always on my mind. So I want. I'm curious of his journey around the nation in the big leagues with Keith Rat on Amazing but True. Uh, he is coming from Philadelphia as he made the trip from Miami, South Beach, Miami, where the New York Mets decided, hey, let's win some games that don't matter. How about that? Let's win some freaking games. They with all the baby Mets. It's pretty amazing when the baby Mets lead the Mets to wins. Hmm. What a concept. Wonder if we saw that a bit earlier. They go down a Miami figgy and win two out of three, nearly sweeping the potential playoff-bound Marlins, who are a half game out of the third wild-card spot, entering Thursday. And figure it'll also mark the final show today where the New York Mets are still in playoff contention. When me and you talk next, they will finally be eliminated and we can finally stop saying, well, this team loses every game and this team loses 10 out of 11. This is it. Hey, they got to the last week of September almost. That's pretty good, wouldn't you say? I mean, we got nine days left. We got ten, nine, ten days left in the season. Ten games left. So the elimination number is down to three. So they could be Maybe. eliminated with seven or eight left. So I guess it didn't turn into a technically. Like we technically, hey, it was. Hey, we were on the course for much, much worse. We're talking about one of the all-time worst teams. Um, looking at you know teams like Oakland creeping up on us in the rearview mirror. Um, you know, it seems like the Nationals being on top of us as well. So. You know, the baby steps for the baby Mets and, you know, the the 
changing course mid-season from the identity of this team. Uh, we're talking on picks, me and Melusis, about how in less than two years, this team has changed its identity three times under, you know, Billy Epler, which is very, very strange. Normally a GM comes in and he has an idea, he has a focus. And it seemed like that first year the plan worked, right? They went bargain basement hunting. Not necessarily bargain basement hunting that we were used to. It wasn't TJ Maxx necessarily. It was still like Nordstrom's, but it wasn't the upper echelon of shopping uh, where they went and got Marte, Canna, and Escobar. And those three worked out fantastic for the Mets that first year. They wind up winning 101 games. And everybody's like, wow, you know, this is really who the Mets are and they're going to be for a long time. Then they said, you know what? If he did that without breaking the bank, let's see what happens if we do let him break the bank. And he did. And it led to one of the worst teams in Mets history for the first half. And also um, instantly said, uh, oh, it's because of our minor league system. They're not good enough. And what they do? Got rid of all the high-priced pitchers, $90 million worth of pitchers, who they're still paying, by the way. And if it wasn't for, you know, Daddy Warbucks with all the money, then this would have never happened. But you got back prospects, you got back talent, and those guys are actually doing well down in the minor leagues. And it's exciting because, you know, for over the next few years, you have a crop of young, talented players to pick from. Um, so now it's can't blend on the minor leagues anymore. The minor league system in double AA, A, triple A, you have, uh, I think, nine of the 17 that you have from trades and your top prospects are in double A AA or triple A. So that means that they're on the horizon. They're ready to help. And then you look at what are they going to do for next year? Well, <laughs> guess what? They're probably going to have to lock up Alonzo. Let's start with there because we don't need the whole offseason preview right now. But Pete Alonzo is, is the conversation because, you know, Pat Ragazzo, uh, our guy reported that the Mets are similar in financials, but not similar in years, which makes mm-hmm. you wonder, Figgy, are the Mets talking, you know, if it's true, and and Pat, you know, Pat knows his people. I trust Pat. Uh, you know, Pat used to, I believe, either work or, or intern for us at CBS. So I've known Pat for a while. You wonder, does Pete want 10 years? Does he want eight? Do the Mets offer six? Because, you know, if he's asking for 10 years, I'd say see ya. I mean, I think that's, it might be what he's asking for. If it's six, I think that's fair. Eight might be the middle ground, Figgy. I think six is the fair number, but if you want eight, maybe you work, take off a few million a year. I don't know. But if he wants 10 years, 250, I'd say I'll see you later and you trade him because 10 years, I know everyone wants to say, why not? Make him a med for life. 10 years is a long commitment. And unless you're getting, you know, like you said, TJ Maxx pricing on that, I wouldn't do that. So what do you think of the whole uh, Alonzo contract discussion? Well, well, think about it this way, right? Uh, If you look at the numbers of first baseman and how much is being paid out, how much has been allotted, you look at the most recent contract being Matt Olson was somewhere around $21 per year. And the length of the contract was eight years. Pete is still 28. I think you're, you're everyone's confusing. Like he's 34 years old and why would you give him a 10 year deal? He's 20 years old. So if you gave him a 10 year deal through 38, at some point, if you're not relevant and you can trade him, this is a guy who again is hitting 45 home runs, 115 RBIs. So if you're looking somewhere in that $25 million range and you go eight years with it, if that's a honey sweet spot, then what I don't see why the deal's not done yet. If eight is the sweet spot, six is an insult. I don't think there's a reason why you would I think six is an insult. If you're given 25 to 30 million a year, six is not an insult. But you're, you're not, you're not going to give 30, 32 million a year was uh, Miguel Cabrera. And that was a legacy deal because he's a hall of famer. Um, so there's nobody above 
$25 million as a first baseman or slash DH, whatever he becomes. So if, if you're looking at the market, he's going to be able to set the market, the height of the market because of you know the home run prowess. But you're looking at probably 25, 28 max. You're not looking at 30. I don't believe that they're going to get to 30. Or why so you would think you? eight for 200 would be the would be I a think, fair deal? I think that would be a fair deal. You're talking about $240 million. And this is for a guy who, again, first baseman, DH. And if you have one of these young players who are talented enough first baseman, you move them into DH. Now you're paying, again, $28 million. He'd be the top paid DH in all of baseball as well. So I, I'm not um, until Tani, of course, but that's a different story. I think that when it comes to the financials, you're only bidding against yourself right now. So what is it? What is it exactly that you want to do? If you want to just wow him, if you want to backload the contract, which remember the, the Marlins did with Giancarlo Stanton when they gave him that three hundred and twenty million dollar deal, they backloaded it, and so they only paid a hundred and I think twenty million for the first six years of Giancarlo Stanton's career which seems like a steal, right? It was when he MVP year, put up all his home runs. It could still be a five-tool player. And now so, he can't even hit 200 with the Yankees. Not, and he's still hitting 30 home runs, which is what they're paying uh, for. So I, I I know. But what I'm saying is that if you're looking at it that way with the financials, so you give them the money, make them the highest paid, but you backload a lot of that, and you're fine because you'll still be able to unload him in a DH hungry uh, major leagues it's universal dh so there's 29 other teams would love to plug him in as their dh and if you get any team in a pennant race where it could be their one shot they will go and do it so i'm not worried about that i don't understand why this deal has not been done yet i don't i'm I'm trying to figure out for the life of me what is it that's keeping them or his side from saying yeah let's do it because he doesn't seem like he's money hungry i think he knows the realities of you know what what the layout is he's not a 40 million dollar player Right. So he's not going to get judge money. So what is it exactly that's holding it back? You know, it's interesting to hear that it's out there that, they're you know, they, they seem to be, you know, in agreement on money. So I'm sure they'll find a middle ground and it'll get done. And if it doesn't, we all move on with our lives. And, um, you know, some fans will give many fans will give up season tickets, which I've said is a dumb investment anyway. Um, and, you know, that that's that. But, you know, another guy is going to be part of this future and is very much vouching for a spot and, I've said on every single show he should have been here in July is Ronnie Tember. I mean, Ronnie Mauricio, he just, even when he gets out, he makes such good content. And I hate, I shouldn't say this because we said Vogelback make it and out doesn't matter, but he's at least puts the ball in play. And when he's on the bases, he could seal any bag he wants. And he's playing a solid defense figure. We've seen him play second. We've seen him play third. He's 16 for 60. He's hitting 300. A homer issues a little bit strikeouts. He's striking out, you know, 16 times. Um, and six, so it's one every three or four at bats. He does strike out, but I feel like that's fairly normal in today's you strike, day. Yeah, you strike out or pop up or you know, a ground out. It's an out is an out. So but he gets on fashion? Figgy. Thirteen of sixteen games, he has a hit. He has two plus hits in five of the games. I loved what I've seen, and I'm just going to keep it real. The Mets got it wrong. Enough of people want to say he wasn't ready at the time. He couldn't play defense. They called him at the perfect time. No. The Mets front office and management fumbled this whole thing. You know, that's what it is. I'm just going to keep it real. We keep it real here on Amazing But True. They messed this up. 
There's a reason why people in this front office got fired. There's a reason why David Stern is coming to take over. There was mismanagement. When it comes to Mauricio, should have been called up earlier. When it comes to Mark Vientos, getting called up and never playing. Now you're seeing Mark Vientos, Figgy, with consistent playing time, what he can do. He's hitting over 300 in the last 15 games. He's got a couple homers. He had two last night. He is tearing the cover off the ball, Mark Vientos, raising the average from 206 to 226 in the last week alone. They fumbled that. Vogelback, he clogged the spot. They fumbled it, and that's how I'm approaching this, Figgy. It was a big mess. Yeah, actually, if you look at since the September call-up, you got 291 for Vientos, four home runs, nine runs, eight RBIs. He's done everything that you wanted to and everything that we knew he could do if given the chance. This game is very difficult. And when you get called up to the big leagues and you have high expectations and you hear all these things about, you know, one of the baby Mets and he's supposed to just hit the ground running, but you give him one at bat every six days against somebody's closer in the ninth inning. And then you go, oh, look, he can't hack it. You know, that's that's a, a disaster. That's a recipe for disaster. And it's happened time and time again. I used to have it, you know, the other way where I get called up and get a chance to pitch and I'd have one good game. And if I had two bad games in a row, oh, well, he's got to go back down to the minor leagues. He can't hack it in the big leagues. And that's not the case. So for guys like Vientos, I know we're not supposed to read into September numbers, but this is all you're able to get, right? Because this is when he's actually gotten playing time and actually gotten some regular playing time. And he has been not just successful, but he's been thriving and he's been getting better and better and better. So you're seeing all the reasons why he puts up such great numbers in the minor leagues over the last two years and that he's ready for that opportunity. So now it's a matter of finding him a position. Uh, it should be, you know, the DH going into next year. Vogelback is not coming back. You know, I know you love DJ Stewart and it's been a great story, but I'm not sold on, uh, you know, keeping him around as the other DH. September is supposed to be a time for the young guys to play, and they finally got it right with Mauricio. We saw some good things. We saw the exit velocity that he hits the ball so hard, chance to hit a home run, chance to steal bases. You know, he's he's that exciting type player that, you know, when Ellie De La Cruz came up, they went on a 12-game winning streak with no pitching, absolutely no pitching with the Reds. So I always felt like if he got the opportunity, he's a similar type player. Am I saying he's as good? Is he as uber talented? No, there's not many people on the planet Earth since he broke all the StatCast records, throwing a baseball, hitting a baseball, and running. So uh, I'm not saying he's that uh, upper level, but he's damn good. And if you gave him the opportunity to settle in, he'd be fine. I know he's looked you know, a little shaky at third base, and that bunt play was a disaster the other day. But that's not his fault. Um, he was reading the play, and the ball got you know thrown over his head where he had vacated and Lucchese threw that one away. But all in all, the the, the baby Mets again are, are doing what they can with the opportunities. Alvarez has had a little bit of a resurgence over this past week. We've seen him hit the ball again with some, not just the exit velocity, not just the hard hits, but it's also timely hits, right? With runners in scoring position, driving in runs. So um, all those little things are starting to come up. And you see Brandon Nimmo in the month of September, 346 batting average, five home runs, 13, um, nine RBIs, 13 runs scored. So these guys are starting to, you know, show that they're all right. They're going to be all right. And I think next year, depending on which way this organization goes, because now you have a new president of baseball operations, where's the direction? And that's what I think I was leading to from before with we've shifted directions three times. Now, which way are we going with it? Are we staying the course of what they told Scherzer and Verlander? You know, we're, we're not going to 
overspend or, you know, be competitively spending in the offseason. I doubt that. I think they're in on all the free agents because this team isn't very far away from competing. But the problem is Philly's not going anywhere. The Braves aren't going anywhere. You know, they're, they're not getting any worse, those two teams. So you're going to have to find a way to not just compete, but be able to beat those two teams and get yourself into the playoffs. Well, speaking of the ma- baby Mets, let's talk next with the baby broadcaster, Keith Ratt. On Amazing But True. Or how I, I view the Mets, I like I, I love it here. I love New York. It's been such a blessing and an honor to to be a part of this organization. And uh, New York, it doesn't feel like home because it is home. Amazing But True, Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa, at Amazing But True on Twitter, New York Post Sports YouTube page to watch us wherever you get podcasts to listen to us. We had him on early, earlier in the year when he was just taking on the role, and now he's just a, a young prince flying through the, I don't know what I was going to say, through the clouds till the end. You're almost there. Keith Rad at Keith the Rad on Twitter. He's the Mets radio voice alongside the great Howie Rose and another new guy, and Mr. Pat McCarthy. Follow him on Twitter at Keith Rad. Please do, because somehow I have more followers than Keith Rad, and Keith is cooler than I am. So, um, you know, he, he doesn't eat as well as I do, although he also has a food Instagram like I do where he goes to the different stadiums. What is that Instagram again, Keith? Yeah, it's Broadcast Bites on Instagram. Like it's not just stadium food. It's all these little cities that I go to. And I have one rule, which is everyone says, why are you not 700 pounds? It's because I don't I don't post the salads in between those lovely meals. My well, I, don't know, see, I don't even eat the salad or post it. So that's, I don't know how I'm not 700 pounds. You've seen the stuff I eat. I've brought some of the food to you. I brought you the churro nachos, which are now defunct at City Field, um, but they're still in a story at Grand Fresco Cantina. Let's start there. Let's start with a happier note because this season has been miserable, at least for the Mets. What has been – do you have like a Mount Rushmore of stadium bites, like the stadiums you were at? And what the food items were. Oof, uh, that's a good one. I mean, I loved San Diego. I don't know if, if anyone's been out to San Diego, but I think that they had some of the best fights in baseball. I know that the, the city field was just named by USA Today be, by being, I think, the best stadium mm-hmm. for food in, in baseball. City feels pretty good because fried chicken is like the most Instagrammable thing of all time these days. And fried chicken is delicious and takes great pictures. So I think that's why City <laughs> Field has crush it with fuku and jacob's pickles who doesn't love love fried chicken uh atlanta's actually pretty good because you can go out there and slip in a, a little chick-fil-a sandwich every now and then i think san diego's my favorite because it's like a it's like a resort that place has different levels and different types of foods it's my favorite what are some of the foods because i've been to san diego and one of my favorite cities in the country but what are like the food items at the stadium that you have I think I had tacos every single meal while we were there, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So just the different types of tacos that they had. I, mean, I don't remember exactly what first base, third base line that I was at because it was just get tacos, get tacos, get tacos for me. It's just it's just fresh and you know kind of way better than the burritos and tacos in New York. Uh, and I've been in Texas for a stint during the minor leagues, but I think San Diego's burritos were killer. And again, not a good day for the a good series for the waistline, but it was delicious. Like the Fresh fish with like the the pickled relish, pickled onions, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just yeah. I could go on and on. No, you're salivating over here, and so is Jake. I can't even watch this anymore. Um, you know, it, it's almost sacrilegious to hear San Diego and chicken put together and talking about eating it. Like that was the greatest mascot of all time. Uh, oh yeah. For, for the younger generation, you guys have no idea who I'm talking about. 
that's why you have you know youtube go youtube the san diego chicken <laughs> you're so old you 50 year old man well one of the greatest things that i was able to take part in is the san diego chicken was doing a circuit around the minor leagues the last year that he was going to continue performing and my daughter got to be one of the little you know chick uh uh, that walk behind the catcher and pat him on the butt. And then the last one pees on him. That was my daughter. She lifted her leg to pee on the catcher. <laughs> it's a very funny skit. You got to see what it. What year was this? I feel like this would be canceled. Uh, I'm honestly going to, I'm going to jump in here because I think it was 2015. I, I interviewed the San Diego chicken when he came nice. to Dayton in yeah. 2015. I didn't really know the story, but going back and researching this guy, he was like the OG yes. mascot. And oh, yeah. he takes off, he takes off his chicken head to do the interview. And the guy's like, 68 years old. I'm like, how is this oh, guy yeah. jumping around doing this crazy stuff this late in life? Uh, the Philly fanatic, you know, honestly took over and is the best mascot in baseball. And don't at me. Stop with the Mr. Met is, is a great mascot. And the Mr. Met doesn't do anything but walk around with his big head. I love he him. Makes people happy. He <laughs> makes people listen, happy. Listen, if, if he had googly eyes that move, nothing moves on him. It's the same face. It's the same thing. You're trying to tell me that the Philly fanatic and doing all the dances, the shows, the ATV, all the fun stuff, it's not even comparable. So anyway, let's get back on task. Food is great. Don't get me wrong. But your first rookie season, was there any rookie hazing by uh, the one Howie Rose? Ooh, by the one Howie. No, Howie's, Howie's pretty good at that stuff. He's he's pretty kind. Honestly, the I, I, I'm not going to say that. I don't know. I don't, I don't really have any. This is a bad question because I don't have. Not a bad question. It's just bad on my part. For not really getting the hazing, it's actually been fine. I've been I've been looking out for the hazing because that's yeah, what yeah. I kind of expected. Uh, a couple of people have kind of said, "Oh, you're the uh, you're the FNG," which if you could put the letters yeah, together, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of understand that. Um, but uh, it's been fine. And again, there's there's still some days left to be had here. You're, so watching, you're watching your back, aren't you? I am you, watching you... my back. I'm a New Yorker, so I'm cynical. It's been a great year, but you know, I'm waiting for the there's butt. A week left. Then Sunday, 3 p.m. finale. Watch I'm out. To, uh, I'm going to have to make a call. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Calling in the code red on Private Santiago. Keith Rad joining us here, WCBS 880. I just like saying WCBS, like they taught us at WRHU. It's just a fun letter to say in a radio voice. What's been the coolest experience like in the, in the studio? Because you've had a lot of people come in and you have guests on. Um, you've also talked about, you know, last week, I know you were talking about Simple Plan or Lincoln Park or something, <laughs> and, and people love that. But wh- who's been like the coolest guests that have come in there? David Wright came in, which was awesome for me. I mean, it's not every day that David Wright comes to City Field because he's living on the West Coast. We've actually seen him more on the West Coast than we have at City Field. He was in L.A. and San Francisco, but he popped in and he he promised Howie that he'd come on for a half inning. So Howie was able to kind of plug that for the first few days. And then the night David actually showed up to the booth, uh, he walks in and I'd never really been face to face with David Wright, but you're immediately struck by just like this dude is a, as a star, like face of the franchise. First of all, the man's gorgeous. I'm going to just say that outright. He's just perfect as a face of the New York Mets. As he sits down in the booth, the entire section in front of us, 317, 318, everybody turns phones out. The game be damned. Nobody cares at that point. They're just <laughs> turning. They wanted to see the captain. Uh, and that, that was awesome because Howie played a call for him that he made when David Wright made his comeback and hit the home run in Philadelphia, first game back after a long road. But he messed with David a little bit. He had Madge, Chris Madgekowski, the immortal, who's our producer engineer, he had him uh, fake a bleep in the call. So it made it sound like Howie cursed. <laughs> so 
Howie calls a pitch. Mm -hmm. There's an out. There's an opening. Boom. Howie rolls the tape. And he's like, David, listen, listen to this. And the, the bleep comes on and David shoots up. He can't believe it. He's looking at Howie with his eyes wide and Howie loses it. Madge loses it. They got him with a little bit of a practical joke um, because, you know, David Wright didn't expect to potentially hear uh, <laughs> the F word from Howie, which he didn't say. They just fake bleeped it. So that was one of the cool ones. One of the cool Did ones. Hank Azaria ever come in? No, we missed him. I kind of wanted to see him. Because he's always my, there. He's in the owner's suite. Like, I just know. get him to walk over. Figgy, send him a text. I know. I got him. Every it's it's amazing. Every stop I had in the in the minor leagues, every GM would go. So, um, have you seen Brockmire? That's like the one thing that everybody always asks as, as a broadcaster. Brockmire was a great little B side show online. So. Oh, so oh, you're talking you're talking to two Brockmire fans. I actually went to the premiere. And Jake, really? Oh, yeah. It was uh, SNY. They, I get an email from Adam, his, his rep guide, and uh, he's like, hey, do you want to come to the premiere of Brockmire? And I'm like, what is it? Sends me the little link of everything, and I watch just the trailer, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I will be there. So I go in and immediately meet Hank, and I'm, I'm just smiling and laughing, just can't wait to watch this. And then you get to season two, and it gets a little raunchier and that's where you know some people yeah. are like all right i'm out but i was like yeah this is perfect this this embodies uh you know your long comeback through the minor leagues and all kinds of baseball just to uh have an opportunity at the big time again but that was such a great show it's a very very good show it was it was the, one of the other cool celebrities that came through is uh mike breen who's great voice of the knicks and voice of the nba finals he popped in to see Howie because a lot of people come in to see Howie. I don't know if you know how he's a, a legend, but um, <laughs> he comes in and he says hello. Very, very nice. But just hearing from him saying, saying, yeah, we, you know, we listen all the time. My wife listens all the time. She's a diehard Mets fan. Hearing that, like once again, connects things for me this year that like this is a huge deal. You know, you're talking to everybody and you don't realize everybody is a lot of really cool celebrity people that are living and dying on every pitch for the Mets season. So that was cool just to hear because Mike Breen, as far as I'm concerned, meeting a lot of broadcasters has been like one of the coolest parts of this season for me. Uh, Mike Breen's just one of the sweetest guys. And so now when it's a big, uh, you know, bottom of the ninth inning, I got to bring, bring, a, bring a good call and make sure Mike Breen's happy when I'm doing it. So. <laughs> yeah, Mike Breen is the greatest, and I agree. He is a genuinely good dude. We've had him on our Nick show when we had him. I've talked with him. Great guy. And thank you again for reminding me that Howie Rose, my could have been father, is cooler than my actual dad. It's it's fun. You had to remind me that, you know, my dad's walking up and down the stairs to get to 10,000 steps, and Howie Rose is, you know, talking to Hank Azari on a, on a Tuesday night eating churro nachos. I mean, it's it's a different world, but it's okay. I still love my father, but would have been cool. To, I mean, who knows if I'm here, if Howie Rose my actual father i might have not been born i might have I, you know I been a fetus that father, looks like but... this but yeah love my father but how he rose in the core anyways oh, uh keith Rad is with us um what was your favorite city besides the food like what what city because you know this is the first time you've traveled i imagine in in one year as much as you did i'm sure you had a lot of receipts to keep a lot of uh expensing to do which is always the absolute worst. So I can imagine that gets annoying over the course of a whole year. But but what city did you love? What city were you like, eh, I'm good. I don't need to come back here. Yeah, so I loved Chicago. I really had never been to Chicago. Um, we played at Wrigley Field this year, which was just a pinch me bucket list moment. But outside of just doing the game, just where Wrigley is in Chicago, yeah. it's like I, I grew up on Long Island in Valley Stream. I live right by Fireman's Field, one of these just big – little league football field complex things that kind of tucked in a suburb. That's what Wrigley was like. People live 
right behind the left field wall and there's a supermarket like across the street. And uh, just the fact that we played, we played all night games, which was, we want our money back for that. But, um, and it was in the middle of the week, which was uh, a shame, but just the people that come out for that, I think was, was the best part because it was such a small, intimate, intimate setting. And the win, it was like May, which you figured would be nice. It was like, it was like a football game. It was like 40 <laughs> degrees. The wind was blowing in. I my wife was there with some family members. They were bundled. They had like eight or nine layers on for a baseball game. It was, and it was packed. It was sold out and it was, uh, it was ice cold. Uh, there's, it's funny. I've been talking to Keith Hernandez a lot this year. And for my first year, like you said, Jake, it's every town is a new town. You go out, you eat, you hang out. I'm always a big fan of comedy shows. So I try to find a comedy club just to catch somebody late night post after a game. And I'm kind of going, all right, I'm every single city going out. And Keith mentioned something like, oh, so-and-so town was a rest town for me. And I thought, wow, what a concept, Mm -hmm. a rest town. So we were in Houston, which turns out to be probably the best hotel on the chain. And I just didn't do anything. It was amazing. You weren't at James Harden's home where his jersey's retired in the strip club. You were like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. And he's- I, I thought about going there only for one reason. I heard the wings were pretty good. but <laughs> That's Magic City, Atlanta. That's in Atlanta. <laughs> sorry, sorry. But yeah, that was Houston's hotel. I, I forget the name of it, but I'm pretty sure Drake was staying there. We were there, which is ridiculous. The um, but yeah, was, well, No. No, the one out. Saved in my Google Maps. No, there's, an, there's one there too. Wow. Yeah. We stayed in the Intercontinental though in – in LA. And that was, that was cool. That was like, take the elevator to the 9,000th floor to go back down to the 7,000th floor. And you're just like, get me to bed. Yeah, Drake did say, Drake did rap that figgy in a song. He said, stay in the intercontinental. I, I'm very well versed in Drake. Thanks for that. But one, one of the things, just in case, so for next year, when they say it's a sleeper city, that they don't mean going to sleep in it because Houston is not a place to just sleep no. in. No, and I, and I take, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, Houston's got great food. No, but I get it. Do. The, the, the bed behind you, break. the bed behind you looks fantastic, okay? Uh, I'm already in bed envy. Uh, I, I remember traveling to these great places, uh, room service being, you know, I, I want bacon and eggs in the morning. I don't want to leave the room. Yeah, 50 bucks. And then you also have to tip on top of that. And then they come and get your bags and you have to tip on top of that. And then you tip. Yeah. So that $100 a day per diem goes very quickly uh, when you're mm-hmm. a rookie and you realize, oh, well, that's why all the veteran guys are taking care of everything else for us because, wow, this is an expensive lifestyle. But it is what it is when you get to stay in these great hotels. Keith Rad is with us. And Keith, we had to say congratulations to you on being a father to uh you're three weeks in is it 19 i'm looking at the your latest ig keith r rad is the r for robert randall i don't know what what the r is. uh richard so it's richard. not named after keith richards from the rolling stone my my <laughs> grandfather's name was richard but yeah this first year in the major leagues why not like have my first uh kid so how crazy uh, was that dealing with with you know about to have a kid <laughs> and, and traveling like your wife must be the real mvp she's kate is Honestly, the best. This is the final week before uh, we come home. So she's got some family in New York, but she's doing it herself. And I'm, I've thought about it. I, this is the, my daughter's third week of life. So I've missed 33% of her existence. A terrible father being away. <laughs> Biggie's throwing you have, his hands you have up. A long, you have a long time to catch up, my friend. Don't you worry. I know. I know. But I've changed. I've changed 7 billion diapers already. And it's fine. It's like clockwork. You do it, do it with your eyes closed. But yeah, it's 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 amazing. Odyssey was nice enough to give me a, a week off when my wife had the baby, so we could just get settled. 
but it's something, man. I mean, they just like, they're just laying there. This little alien child is yours. And you're just like, I think that's my nose. I think that's her eyes. You're just staring at this thing. They change yeah. every week now. Yeah. It's going to drive you nuts. Yes. Yes. I, I, the sleeping thing was crazy. I kind of Googled like how do parents not die in the first week? Cause you're getting like two hours at a time at uh-huh. most. So like, Oh, I can, I slept six hours last night. Yeah. But it was 11 to one and three to five and seven. Yeah. To nine. And you always do the thing when the alarm goes off, you're, uh, uh, you know, it's just, you're never like relaxed and rested. You're always jolted from a dead sleep, but it's great. Fatherhood is great. <laughs> Listen, you're living the dream, the absolute dream. First year in the big leagues, uh, something to always talk about, you know, both on the air and off the air with the, the team that went through transition uh, first being a world series, almost lock uh, going into spring training and then everything turning. Uh, David Stearns is now hired as the president of baseball operations. What direction do you see this team going in? Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting with Stearns because he is somebody who's built up some, like Milwaukee is a team that does not have a ton of money, but how does he handle the resources? How does he handle a team where he knows what he wants to build for a, I'm not going to say a cheap product, but just an efficient product, bringing in efficient players for their salaries. Like Moneyball, you want to make sure that your equation is good for your, your salary cap or your how much money you want to spend. What does he do now with like kind of an open purse, an open pocketbook? But I think it's going to be more of an organizational change throughout the minor leagues, um, the system that's built. Billy Upper has been focusing on literally everything, which is hard for a GM to do, you know, zipping around the golf cart and spring training, making sure the minor leagues are figured out. Meanwhile, he's negotiating, you know, contracts and trying to find relievers for the bullpen. It's, it's hard to do. So I think Stearns is coming here. will take a little bit. It might be a lot of behind the scenes stuff that, People just don't see on the field that happened with David Stearns. But I think the offseason, the acquisitions that are made will be very telling. Will they be similar to acquisitions that we would get or we would understand, okay, they brought this so-and-so in or that person in? Or will there be other ones where we go, who is this guy? Why why would he get this player? That stuff I'm very interested in in finding out because, again, he's going to be above Billy Epler. So he's his branches will go all the way down to the Dominican and the academies that the Mets have as far instead of just on the field. So I'm excited for that. But it's funny, I was working in Brooklyn and David Stearns interned in Brooklyn way back when, a million years ago with the Brooklyn Cyclones. I, I don't know if Gary Perone hired him or not. Basically, there's a funny story about David Stearns is that uh, he is from Harvard, right? Mm-hmm. So he shows up to his first day well, at his internship. <laughs> Not from Harvard. Harvard grad. He is not yeah. from the from the town of Harvard. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. Yeah. You got to remember, we have to dumb it down for everybody who didn't go to Harvard. <laughs> right, me included. Hofstra, Hofstra, <laughs> Harvard, Hofstra. Yeah. So he he shows up to his first day at his internship in Brooklyn, and Steve Cohen, which is not Uncle Stevie, Steve right. Cohen, the vice president of the Brooklyn Cyclones, who uh, great guy, but he's at his desk, and Stearns walks in, first day of his internship, looking like a little gangly kid. And he's wearing a Harvard shirt and he goes, Hey, I'm here for my internship. And Steve goes, okay. Yeah. So you're going to be down the hall, you know, third you know, shows him where he has to go. The cleaning crew at the time was the Harvard cleaning crew. <laughs> so Steve basically walks Stearns to the cleaning crew and says, you know, grab a mop and here you go. And like a couple hours later, Stearns goes, I just, I don't think this is right. You know, I'm here for an internship. So the great David Stearns, who was once mistaken for, a member of the Harvard cleaning crew in, in Brooklyn. So it's hilarious. Wow. That is the greatest story ever. 
from <laughs> from you know running the garbage to running the Mets. Well, say, they go hand in hand. Uh, this oh, year, here we go. Uh, sorry, I had to do it. Wow. Uh, you know that that was mean. But listen, David Stearns has a big job here, and you know you look at a team, and I was watching a. Brian Kenny video breakdown, the Orioles successes year and what it takes. It took drafts. It took getting guys off the scrap heap. It took, you know, cast offs. It took, you know, just believing in guys and it's everything A to Z and Stearns has a lot to fix. They've, they've had a lot of front office turnovers. There's been a lot of names that have already been fired. There will be more. Um, so it's going to be a big job for him. And I'm still a little frustrated that we kind of got robbed from months of the baby Mets here, Keith, I feel like Ronnie came up late and you're seeing what he's doing. You wish you saw a few months. Vientos came up, never played. You wish you saw consistency at bats. Look what he's doing, being there every day in the lineup. Do you get frustrated as a broadcaster being like, damn, I kind of wish I saw these guys. Some of them that, you know, you've called before in the minor leagues. I kind of wish I saw them earlier. I mean, yes and yes and no. I mean, at the same time, the righty DH Tommy Pham had an unbelievable, an unbelievable season. What I didn't really love was kind of what Figgy said earlier, which was throwing a, a young guy in a big moment once a week, a pinch hit spot. I just never really understood why that would be a referendum on can this kid play or not because they're in this one spot and they didn't come through and maybe they just can't handle it up here. I, I don't I don't love that. I also think that Brett Beatty has had an ample year to take the reins of third base and just has not done it. I know Mark Vientos is a little bit limited in where he can play defensively, but give him some time to hit, and he's shown you that he can hit. And I've, I was always confused. I have been for many years uh, about how the Mets have handled Ronnie Mauricio. You know, Francisco Lindor playing shortstop. I, I get you want to keep your top prospect at shortstop in his spot just in case he's a trade piece. It's the highest value. But why didn't he play 50 games at third base this year? Why didn't he play more games at second base this year? Because he seems fairly ready to be here uh, at the big league level. And by the way, the winter ball team that he played with, Lee, Lee, Lee say, say, pretty sure that's, yeah, you, you need to learn how to win. You need to play in front of huge, massive crowds. There's a lot of um, vitriol if you don't play well in those places. Oh, yeah. So that's a great, that was a great training ground. And uh, the Mets just kind of waited till the, till the end to, to bring him up. But the bitter honest, end. Like when you punted the season yeah. August 1st, I mean, at yeah. that point I get there waiting for the extra year of control, but Figgy has argued and I agree is, what does that matter? You get the rich stone in the yeah. sport. What do you need the extra year of control if you could afford all the years of control? That shouldn't have mattered. When you punted on August 1st, you should have said, let's see Mauricio, enough of Daniel Vogelback. I, I'm still wondering what picture is Vogelback as of Buck Showalter and Billy Upler that he played until the bitter end. Keith, why was Vogelback out there? So- I, I, yeah, he's he was, as we say when we call it, when we do the games with Vogelback, He's a three-move player as a as a as a roster piece. If you're pinch hitting for somebody, you've got to pinch run for him when he gets on, and then you got to put somebody out in on the field. And yeah. when you're that one-dimensional, you have high expectations. You should have an 800 OPS all year long. And it's if you look at Vogelback's numbers now, hey, it's okay. He's maybe having a good season, but look at the beginning, look at the middle, look at where it's been now with the pressure slightly off. That was part of it. The pitching side to me was the biggest part of it, but Huge. certainly not having the baby Mets in, in certain spots. It's it's big. I don't know if it's the biggest story of the season, not, not having them up, uh, but it certainly didn't help mask what was guys that couldn't get out of the fifth inning for the first two months of the season. Yeah, and I think next year, kind of what, what Scherzer probably said on those way out is, you know, next year is interesting with the free agent market for pitching and where do the Mets turn if they don't want to sign guys maybe they go get jordan montgomery for a four or five year deal which is not a not a bad move but maybe that's the year that 
you do see their minor league team come up. Mike Vassell getting some big league starts. That's that uh, rotation at Double A has had some some guys that might want to contend in spring training for an opportunity. And you give next year those guys in the rotation because you have so many holes to fill. You give them an ample opportunity to to pitch. I don't think the Mets are going to totally punt on next year. It doesn't make any sense. August was ugly. August really was ugly. And I think Steve Cohen and, and Billy Upper made their decision. This is not the year. We're going to certainly make sure it's not the year. And what will it look like in the future? I think August was so bad that that's kind of a little kick to go, no, we're not going to totally give up on next year. But with the free agent market down, maybe that's on David Stearns to put in his calculation and figure out, well, I'll bring in a guy you didn't expect to turn into a two or three starter and make him into one. Man, they better be a winning team next year. If this team is once again under 500, I have no hair left to pull out. Like I have. You don't. I, you don't. I can confirm that. <laughs> nothing else I could do. I can't deal with the richest team in the sport being this bad. At least be over 500. Make it like it's 2005 again. Finish over 500. Just do that. Keith, what do you do here in the offseason? Season ends. Are you, do you still do Wagner football, Wagner basketball? Uh, I did, but as we alluded to earlier, I'm going to be uh, daddy daycare for this entire year. Uh, offseason, you, you mentioned my wife is a rock star. My wife, Kate, who has been with me since the beginning of time uh, through this journey. She's been holding it down. It's a long season. It started in the middle of February. So uh, this offseason, I'm just going to chill, uh, be a dad. But then next year, pound the pavement for a little more college basketball and some football opportunities. So is she going back to work and you're and you're going home? Is that what's happening? She's off until January, which is oh, okay. amazing. Absolutely amazing. But once January and February comes around, I get my hands on that kid. She's going to be throwing lefty, throwing righty, switch hitting, <laughs> playing golf, because nice. Lord knows that's probably the best way to make money these days. Learn go. how to be a golfer. Uh, but that's what I'll be working on. Charlotte, right? Is that her name? Yeah, Charlotte. We, uh, Charlotte. My last name, like, it's like naming a band. Like, did you name it after something or was it just like the coolest thing you can find? Uh, my last name is really hard. It's one syllable. It's rad. And people from my whole life have called me Keith Rad, Keith Rad, instead of just Keith, because it's two syllables. So I wanted something that was had a little flow to it. And Charlotte, to me, was always a classy name. And uh, my wife and I are big nickname people. Uh, we're big hockey fans in that regard. So we call her Lottie. That's our nickname for, Lottie, for her. I like that. So we, I like that. All, that's, all of it was planned out. All it was I planned like it. Out. And I, I get it. Listen, I'm Jake Brown. I'm not Jake. I'm Jake Brown. Yeah, some people, I know. Some people just call me Jake Brown Radio, which is a little aggressive. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Jake Brown works. Keith Rad. Follow him on Twitter at Keith Rad. And check out Broadcast Bites if you want to see stadium foods around the nation. Keith, it's been great uh, great talking to you this year. Looking forward to you getting some off-season rest. Well, not really. You're going to be changing diapers every hour. But uh, at least being there with your daughter and your family. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. I saw you guys in spring training. You both had smiles on your face. And here we are, late September. You still have smiles on your face, which is good. Well, good guests like you. And again, we're, we're happy for you and your success and all the hard work you put in. And like I said, life can't be better for you right now, my man. And uh, appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the diapers. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, guys. Listen, Thank give you. me six more weeks of watching Zach Wilson, and this this smile will turn upside down. <laughs> can't help you there. Can't help you there. See you, Keith. All right, guys. Veterano. 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 Metro card. <laughs> I gotta refill mine. All right, Figgy, great stuff there from Keith Rad. I loved the story on uh, Stearns and the Harvard, Harvard sweater becoming the mop man. He went from cleaning Brooklyn to cleaning.
cleaning queens. He went from borough to borough. What a story. And that says goodnight to us here on episode 182 of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz and, of course, to you, Jake, for producing the show. Subscribe to Amazing But True on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the New York Post YouTube page to watch all episodes. Find that Amazing But True playlist. Give us a thumbs up below on YouTube and comment below what should the Mets do in free agency? What direction should this team go in? Follow us on Twitter at Amazing But True, at FiggyNY, and at Jake Brownlee. Come save the Mets, David Stern. We'll enjoy the series against the Phillies. I'll be back on Monday. Figgy, we thought it'd be today, but you 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 are saying Bartolo Colon is expected to be on the podcast dropping next Thursday. So Figgy will be back for that episode. I know he can speak some English. I want to hear a few words. Just, you know, welcome to Amazing But True. Like, if he can just say that, we'll have that uh, looped over. It'd probably be something more like a number two with a large fry. <laughs> I'm, I'm good with that too. You know, I'll, I'll save that on my phone and I'll go up to the McDonald's drive-through and play Bartolo and saying, oh, number oh, a ten-piece chicken nugget, large diet coke, large fry." I get that on loop from Big Sexy. Well, that wraps it up from our own Big Sexy. That's me and uh, not sexy. Nelson Figueroa. <laughs> we'll see you next Monday. Uh, and Figgy, they won two out of three over the Marlins, so we'll close it in three, two, one. Let's go Mets. Mijami.